In Chelsea, they change coaches faster than they change underwear. That has been always the situation in in Chelsea. It everybody and welcome to another episode of the Ultras podcast. I'm Ahmed with me Zal Basha and today joining us is Ashir. How's everybody? Good. I'm doing All good, right. doing good. Welcome yes, Ashir. Again. Um Thanks, guys. Uh, so we've had a interesting week in football. Uh, we are back obviously with Champions League a few weeks ago. It's been two weeks, three weeks now. Um So let's start off with the Champions League, obviously, um, and then we'll move on to Europa and the and the rest of the leagues after. Um, the first game of this week of this uh, week's Champions League was obviously Benfica and Club Brugge. Uh, I think if you go to the Champions League on the left side there, well, my left here, right, whichever one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I started off with Club Brugge. Um, this is where. And Benfica, and I think this is where Club Bruges really ha- had the reality of uh, that reality check in uh, Champions League. Uh, they had a really good group stage um, competition going. You know, they they tied Atletico Madrid. They they uh, they uh, they they lost to uh, Porto, but the rest of the games, I'm pretty sure they won or tied. And it was a it was a good starting point for Benef- for Club Bruges uh, as a team that's you know new to the Champions League. Um, but I believe that this was an expected scoreline from Benfica. Um, obviously, as soon as you know, in the second half, you can see three, two, two goals, and then the rest of the goals came in the end uh, at the end of the second half, almost. Um, but yeah, no, it was a great game from Benfica. It showed the dominance of Benfica as a team, uh, the Portuguese league as a whole, and um, you know, at least it put that club Bruges up in that competition to let them, you know, test the waters for maybe other years. Um, you, you know this uh, this cross line, the one that looks like a checklist cross over here, a cross of uh, Club Rouge. Yeah. You know, I really feel bad for them with this cross mark over here because, you know, they they had an amazing uh, group stage. Yeah. I honestly never thought that Benfica were going to beat them this bad. I, uh, yeah, Benfica had the upper hand, but uh, I was really shocked with Benfica beating them five one. Um, you know, with with all honesty, this is the most game out of all the group stages so far, other than Real Madrid's game. Uh, this is the most um, game that I've seen that has been the most intense game from one team for the whole game. From the first minute, from the first minute, you got an offside nice back flick by Joao Mario. You know, that was a nice back flick, but it was offside. And then the seventh minute, you got... There was some kind of confusion happening within uh, the players. You know, the, one of the defenders was passing back the ball, and him and the goalkeeper were confused where the ball going. And then all of a sudden, you see the ball standing on the line, and then one of the players waiting for the goalkeeper, which is the old Liverpool goalkeeper, Manuel. Yeah. Um, if you remember the last Champions, uh, uh, two Champions, three Champions League ago, and they stopped the ball. This was just the first seven minutes. And then you see the 15th minute, Joao Mario with another chance. And then and then it goes on. The first half, it was... This game actually could have been 7-1, for sure. 
Yeah, because yeah. there was one, there was two goal, two balls start, uh, stopped at the line of the goal, and then there was some weird things happening. I don't know if Club Rouge were confused about the fact that they're playing a soccer match or something, but it, it, it was a really, really confusing thing. Other than that, of course, Benfica is a very good team. You know, they they had, uh, you know, we see Ramos. You remember Ramos from the World Cup yeah. scored a hat trick with Portugal, um, and uh, João Mario. We all know João Mario is a well experienced player. Um, they have a good good general team uh, so for me it was you know i was i was a bit shocked by the score but i'm not shocked that benfica won that's what it was i completely agree i think those, this is one of the games that if you look at the, the teams playing at the beginning you would be like this is one of the, the the games that will be boring in champions league that everybody will will miss nobody will ever watch but actually watching the game it was one of the the dense games you see uh, benfica playing from the back back passing building up you, you see the other team trying to press. And then you see amazing goals like the ones you mentioned at the very beginning with the back heel and offside, yeah, but it was a good one. And then this, the uh, Ramos guy, he's, he's really impressive. And it's not, it's not odd for Benfica to have players like this. I looked at the transfers in the past uh, four or five years just before we start, and it, they have really impressive transfers. You have this... Uh, Joao Felix for more than 130 million. You have the guy that went to Chelsea, Enzo, more than 120 million. You know what I mean? The, the Liverpool striker, David, uh, not David, uh, Nunes. Yeah, so it's not odd for Benfica to have good players like this. And I expect him to be one of the people that will probably be joining a really top team very soon. De definitely. Yeah, I, I, I just wanted to point out the, um, you know, Benfica, along with Colons, with Sporting and, uh, and Porto, they're, they're, I would say they're the top teams that actually ship out players to the rest of the European teams all over Europe. But yeah. actually, as you mentioned, uh, Benfica lately, the last few years, they have been the most expensive transfer. These guys have been making mad money. Yeah. Um, some of them, I, I'll be honest with you, the two transfers that does not make sense to me with a price tag are Enzo Fernandez, this is uh, this transfer window, and Joao Felix. Yeah. Because I'm not used to Atletico spending that much on a player. Absolutely, absolutely, 100%. And then, He's, he joined a defensive team, but his, his profile is completely different than an Atletico, Atletico player, you know? Yes. Um, I think he moved to Chelsea now, and I think it's very interesting to see him because he's a really, really top talent. I think the price tag is not odd. I think it's the team he joined. You're right. It's it's weird, Atletico, but he, he moved on to Chelsea now. I know it's a loan, I think, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. I think he has a very, very good future. And I think that Ramos guy would be one of those players as well. Yeah, if Madrid are looking for a striker, they got a ready. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this, this game was basically a marketing. You see defenders... Very good defenders playing from the back, uh, confident passing, confident on the ball, good defending. You see midfield, very fluid, very creative, and you see amazing strikers. You know, it's like a marketing. Hey, guys, like the top teams, look at us. We have everything you need. Definitely. No, definitely from uh, when it comes to Portuguese teams, especially Portuguese teams, sometimes the French teams like, you know, um, Lille or Marseille or whoever it may be, the the one thing for you can count on on that team on those teams is that they're going to sell players. Yeah. They're going to bring in that talent from wherever around the world, you know, North Africa, Brazil, um, Eastern Europe, wherever it is, and they're going to put those players on the field. And then 
by the end of that year, by the end of their contract, by whatever it is, two years, three years, four years, five years, that that person is going to be sold for um, millions and millions of dollars. And I mean, if you look back anywhere, um, it's a known fact. You know, if you want to buy a, if you want to look for great talent, where do you head to? You head to Portugal, and that's just how it is when it came to the football world. The the one thing though is that you know I would like to see from Portuguese teams like Benfica, like Sporting, like uh, Porto. The one thing I'd like to see is for them to actually, you know, as much as yes, they did get to this knockout stage in, uh, they got to this stage in Champions League. Is I'd like to see them in the semifinals. I'd like to see them in the final just to, sh to prove that yes, we have the talent, but we also have that drive to to get those the champions, uh, to get the Champions Cup. And the reason for that is because I don't want them to seem like this. the The only reason they do this is for the money. Mm. You know what I mean? It's also for the actual sport. Yeah. And um, and I know I'm pretty sure 100% that a lot of the talent that go to these Portuguese teams know that for a fact that they're going there knowing that they have a future ahead of them. Yeah. And that's something, you know, if you're, if you're a prospect and you go to a Portuguese team, you, the one thing on your mind probably is that I'll end up at Real Madrid or Barcelona or Chelsea or, you know, Manchester United or whoever it may be. And so um, definitely something we can expect, obviously, from uh, Portuguese teams. Um, great performance by Benfica all around. Um, tough luck for Club Bruges. It would have been nice to see them, you know, as being as the underdog in the Champions League. Unfortunately, um, they're even past. This, they're even at a stage that nobody expected them to be. Yeah. Um, everybody expected them to be at the bottom of the table. I remember they were with Atlético Madrid, uh, Porto, and um, let me check who it was before that. Um, it was, if I remember correctly. Uh, the tables, there it is, um, and, and Bayern Leverkusen. So when you have three teams like that, you know, a top team, a top team from Spain, Leverkusen not doing so well this year in Bundesliga, but top team in in, in Germany as well, and Porto, top team in Portugal. Uh, it just shows you that they were in a top tier uh, Champions League group. It was great that they came in second, only one point behind Porto, and then you know now they're playing the, uh, in this stage in the court in the court in the round of sixteen. They made it this far. They should take the win, or they should take this, you know, this this nice accomplishment for them and move on, yeah. and you know, maybe come back next year um, with an even better, you know, uh, uh, with better hopes for reaching maybe a, a level higher. But I'll tell um, you, the best thing that they did this competition and this game was Meyer's goal. It was unbelievable. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the only goal they yeah. scored it was it was a sick kick. I mean, if, if football was to be counted, they might have. If, if, if football was to be counted on the vote of the best goal, you know, it might have won them the the, the game. But yeah. that's not how it goes. We can see on aggregate, it is seven one. They lost two and nil at home, and um, you know, five one and away. Um, so, you know, tough luck. Congratulations, obviously, to um, Benfica. Um, but we'll move on to the second game. Um, and this game here is the. It's probably. I, I think it's probably one of the most controversial um, games of the week uh, with respect to Champions League. Uh, and it was uh, Dortmund versus Chelsea. <laughs> if that's, mm -hmm. yeah, Dortmund versus Chelsea. Um, this one was played at Stamford Bridge. Um, obviously, we know the scoreline of that one finished at 2-0 for uh, Chelsea. Um, it was a great game from both teams. Um, aggregate was 2-1. So... Tell me, what did you think of that? Um, knowing that, you know, for Chelsea, they've been slacking off in the uh, 
Prem League and Dortmund in second place. I believe they're tied at, I, I believe they're tied in points. It's only a difference of aggregate, or I'm not sure if what happened this weekend, but you know, what can you tell me about this game? What can you tell me about the Chelsea's performance with respect to, with this game and the respective champion and the Premier League and Dortmund with respect to the um the uh Bundesliga now that they you know they're out of this competition, they can focus on that. Whereas Chelsea's in this competition and they can focus on this one more than the uh, Premier League. I think uh, generally Dortmund has a very, very, very good team. Um, in terms of quality of players with Chelsea, I think they are comparable. Um, and uh, in terms of uh, the only difference is playing as a collective team between Dortmund and Chelsea. I think Dortmund has a better team in that sense, because they have been playing together for a while and they, they're already, you know, they're already part of a system, you know, just like a company that you operate for a while. Everybody has chemistry. Everybody knows to know, know how to deal with, you, with each other. Um, Chelsea have quality players, but they still don't have that uh, fixed structure. Um, it, it's like if you look at the uh, of the starting players here, it's... Uh, uh, um, it's the goalkeeper and Havertz and Kovacic and uh, um, and James, the only ones that we remember actually who have been together for the last two to three years. Yeah. Fofana is new, Kolibali is new, Quarelella is new, uh, Chilwell, I don't remember, <laughs> Felix yeah. is just new, Sterling just came, uh, Fernandez just came. So this is a team that's still trying to get used to each other. I honestly felt... I felt bad for Dortmund, man. They really played a very well game. But this is the game that uh, saved uh, Porter, honestly. And I think they have been stuck in the 10th position in the in, in the Premier League. I don't know why. It's a really weird situation. They win their 10th. They lose their 10th. It's just been like that. Uh, but this is probably uh, this is the only thing that's going to save their season. In terms of quality, it was a very intense game. There isn't uh, there have been chances from both sides, um, but I mean, these are the, these are the kind of games that that are, you know, that that you will win. Like that handball, um, what's his name? Uh, I'm trying to remember the defender uh, that, uh, yeah, Wolf it was Wolf who uh, had a handball and Harvard scored that penalty. Actually, Wolf's Wolf had made a few mistakes other than the penalty within Dortmund. And he was a slow defender as well, which was costing them an issue on the counter-attacks with Dortmund. So uh, it was these individual things that had made, made uh, created problems for Dortmund. But generally, I think Dortmund are having a very good season. Bundesliga, yeah, the only thing I think they'll be able to do in the Bundesliga is just keep uh, keep Bayern awake. That's it. They are going to be that... Uh, uh, that that annoying uh, uh, second spotter where they're always going to be winning, and you're always and, and Bayern are always going to feel under threat for them to win every single yeah. game because Bayern before they used to be chilling in the in the Bundesliga and then concentrate on Champions League. That's no more the situation. This year is different. So I think they are going to be. I, I honestly think they are going to end up second in the Bundesliga. But in terms of Champions League, I feel bad as it's such a beautiful playing football team like that would leave a Champions League. But, you know, I think this, these are one of the very close games uh, in the round of 16 so far. Uh, Ash, do you have anything to add to, to that about this game? Any 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 comments? I think it's uh, the only thing I want to say is if you see how they celebrated the goal, the first goal, Sterling's goal, and the second goal, Havertz, 
you can really tell how much pressure the players are on. Like they're they're tenth in the league. They are very very high quality players. I think it it's just uh, pressure from outside of the field. Like you have a new manager, never been in the top level. He's a very good manager. Did very good with Brighton. It's just that he still needs his time to implement his ideas. And pressure from the new transfers, pressure from whatever happened with ownership, um, ownership of the club and the sack of uh, Tuchel and then the new manager. So I think it's just exterior pressures. As soon as they resolve those and um, the manager gets his ideas implemented, I think they're going to be a completely different team. You're right. It's it's strange that they are in, in that area of the table in the Premier League, but uh, I think they're going to save the season. In the Champions League, and you can see Chilwell, James, all these guys coming back from injury, they're gonna um, support the team much, much better. Well, the one thing is about, uh, I mean, they've had all these problems, you know, they've had the new management, and uh, you know, Potter's having a little bit of a tough time, um, as well as you, like you said, you know, changing of ownership. Um, but being in that 10th or 11th, 10th position spot, they're 10 points away from a position in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think maybe will that will that you know being in tenth position or in the in the Premier League uh, not will that be a problem for Potter next year? If will he be able to catch up? To, this year he gets to focus on the Champions League, but does that mean that next year he won't be able to because of his focus on the Champions League this year? Since next year he might not make it because of that te- this uh, discrepancy in points. Um, do you think he'll have a problem with that? Do you think that the management will have, or ownership will have a problem with that? Uh, and I understand that because the players, we've all seen the memes, you know, it'll have a meme of like, say, Haaland or whoever, you know, has 28 po- goals this season. And then a picture of Chelsea, you know, club, 28 goals of, as well. But can we see Potter being able to bring Chelsea back to, you know, that position that may land him in Champions League years uh, to, uh, in next year again? Or, do, or are we going to see Chelsea outside of the Champions League unless they somehow, you know, uh, find another way to get in? I think it's going to be very difficult to catch up in the in the Premier League. Let's let's be honest. I think it's going to be very very difficult for for them to maintain the 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 winning, especially if they want to concentrate on in the Champions League, right? I would think if I was the, the manager, which I'm not, I wouldn't be here if, <laughs> if I can be a manager. But if I would I would concentrate fully on Champions League, win that. I have the players, I have the the backing, I have I have the defense, this the midfield and the attack. And I think I think this is the best opportunity for them to catch up with um, Champions League. But I think the management is not really bothered about that. The new management, the new Chelsea management. The Todd guy is more concerned about long term. This is why you see signings for five years, six years, even seven years. So I think he's gonna he's gonna hold he's gonna keep Graham Potter in his in his place. He's gonna wait for the team. He's not gonna care too much about losing a Champions League spot for one year. He might even come back much much stronger next year. You know what I mean? So I think. If I were if I were Potter, I would I would concentrate more on the Champions League, and then let's see next season brings. But I don't think the the management will will look to change any uh, managerial position right now. Yeah, no, definitely. Honestly, for the longest time I've been watching Chelsea, it's unfortunately they have been cursed with the owners. 
uh, yeah, they've been winning titles like they never been before in their uh, uh, in their uh, you know in their history. But it's the stability. You know, we always talk about stability and and teams who have uh, uh, that prestige status generally in football. Uh, they have that respect towards coaches, right? We talk about United, we talk about Madrid, about Barcelona. So they can have one or two bad seasons, but they have a long-term vision. And Chelsea, they change coaches faster than they change underwear. That has been always the situation in, in Chelsea. It's it's not surprised. Tochel has been doing amazing. He won everything that you can ever win in a season and a half. Right, the most important cups are nothing, right? They're like yeah. a little tokens that you pick up from the street. But uh, uh, but the Champions League is very important. So uh, you're getting Porter, yeah, okay. So Brighton is a good team; they've been doing well. Uh, but is he going to be capable of coaching a, a, a big team? I don't know. I'm I'm waiting to see what will happen by next season. He has the players that he needs. Um, I honestly think Tuchel would have been better, of course, but I think Tuchel's strong personality did not suit the American mentality. So right. that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that was that was a big one between Tuchel and Potter. But um, let's move on to the next game, one of the biggest games uh, of the week. Excuse me, uh, Bayern Munich versus PSG, and I think this was probably um, this was a very strong game from both teams. Um, 2-0 for the the German side, 3-0 in aggregate. You know, I'm watching this game. I was I was frustrated with PSG. You can see how very cool and very stable the Bayern Munich team was. Um, you know, taking advantage of uh, PSG's slip-ups, um, as well as you know, you can see from their passing, their movement, the fluidity. That you know they're very calm. They know what they're doing. They know they're here to win. Whereas the PSG side, you can see the frustration in the team. Um, Bayern Munich, you know, canceling out Messi. Um, you know, whenever the attack had that chance, they're going up. They're doing well, moving in from the sides. Um, but let's let's tell me what, what do you think about this game? Um, it's you know it's been Bayern came to, and did the job pretty well, like. You see the there has been back and forth between both teams. Uh, PSG had chances. Uh, Bayern has chances, but you can feel the only you know it was that the highlight of the first half was when uh, Dilich stopped that ball from the oh yeah yeah, the yeah. Right, just line. before crossing the line definitely yeah uh, when um, um, I think it was Sommer who was trying to dribble the player but. Yeah. I don't know what's happening with Sommer lately, but uh, he's been doing some mistakes. But I think Delict, who has been heavily criticized generally, he's been showing up the last few games pretty well. Like he's he has been the highlight of the last few games because right. he did the same thing. I think with uh, I can't remember. I think it was in the Bundesliga. Um, but uh, PSG, it's very obvious that. They can't complete the, the the the. They can't finish the attack. Yeah. Uh, the dependence on uh, the dependency on uh, Messi and Mbappe is not working anymore. Mbappe, yeah, sure, he could, he. I did see a little bit more with Mbappe, but there's that lag. There's that issue in the midfield that they have. Uh, I don't know. Verratti has been a little bit down. Uh, as, uh, I don't know what's wrong with uh, Verratti generally. Uh, PSG has a very good uh, individual players. 
but there is a missing piece. There's those missing things out of PSG. Uh, some talk about it's time to take out one of the three stars. It's time to, for example, and they're saying Neymar would be the best one that you can take out out of the equation. Uh, for, in order for you to uh, to uh, rotate and uh, improve the team as it, uh, in generally, they have a lot of young players and they are thinking of the future. They have a very, very young squad, but that's not going to give you what you bought the team for. Like Their biggest dream for PSG is Champions League. They want everything in France. They got bored of it, so they want to win Champions League. Byron, the way they play, even though they had the same amount of chances as PSG, but you can see how crucial they were. Even when they attack, you see when Muller gets the ball, when Musiala gets the ball, the way they dribble and the way they go, there's that kind of relaxed, you know, there's kind of that relaxed mode when they're passing the ball. And very, no, they're they're def- they were definitely very calm in the way they were doing everything. Compared, yeah, to, compared to PSG, where they were like, you can see the frustration even on the players' um, faces. You can see that they were always, like the passing was, you know, sometimes out of whack. Donorama, you could see his frustration that he was not comfortable being on that field at all. He had a few slip up slip ups himself. Somer slip up, yeah, that was just a bad pass. I mean, but when it came to um, when it came to Donorama, he he put himself under fire quite a few times. Um, yeah, so you see that it was unfortunate, of course, Marquinhos leaving from uh, the. Yeah. Uh, you know, being subbed uh, the first half for injury. Uh, you do see the, uh, you know, Verratti's mistake by Muller taking the ball for the first goal when, uh, you know, Muller took it and I think it was Pavard who, had, who t- uh, yeah. got the pass from Muller and then passed it with an open net for Moting. Uh, um, and an amazing, uh, like, the, the amazing sub in the 85th minute, which showed the effect three minutes later when Cancelo and Gennabri came in. And Cancelo assisted to Gnabry's yeah. goal. You know, it just shows you in generally uh, how practical the team is. Yeah. Even though, but by the way, uh, Nungelsmann in Germany, he's, since the beginning of the season till now, he's been heavily criticized. Even though the, the second half of the season, he's been doing better. He's, he's been picking up and doing better. But he is being heavily criticized. I think some of it makes sense and some of it doesn't. But I think it's just because he's coaching Bayern and and he's a young coach. I think that's what a lot of it has to do with it. Because they are a very, very strong team. And honestly, I, I don't see... I, I do see one mis- one issue that Byron has. We You remember we talked before about PSG and Byron being common in the defensive issues that they have? Yeah. Uh, but um, but Byron has been... You know, they, they were able to solve it. I, I see Byron's biggest issue is Sommer, even though I was supporting Sommer being the goalkeeper for Byron. But I think Sommer needs some time to get used to Byron, and I, they need, I think they need Neuer. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. You know, it was... um, It's a different... Even I was a bit, uh, you know, this season thinking like, okay, where's Neuer? Where's Neuer? This guy, Sommer. Because Sommer, I believe, used to be a doorman, if I, if I recall. Um, uh, right. So, like you know, it was a it was a different style of thing seeing him. But you know, um, props to Bayern Munich. Uh, Ash, Ashir, do you got any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I actually have um, one thing that I want to share with you guys. The the feeling I get when I when when I see Messi crosses a corner and Ramos going in with the header. <laughs> how times change. This happened twice. It's actually an insane feeling looking at it. And then, but but it also highlights the same problem that you guys are talking about, which is there's no system. Everything you see in PSG, it's got to be an individual effort. You know what I mean? It's got to be 
one of the top players showing up, doing an individual effort, whether it's Messi or Ramos or Mbappe. You don't see the fluidity that you guys are talking about in Bayern Munich. You also don't see people coming off the bench like Bayern Munich. I think PSG needs to... I know we say this very often, almost every season, but they need to change things drastically from the roots, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah. They're not going to... They, they, I think they're too. They're, they're caught up in the French league, and they, they, once they go outside, they get reality checks like this every time. And Verratti, you're absolutely right. I think even the second goal was Verratti's mistake. He got uh, dispossessed at on the other end. He yeah. thought it was a foul, but it's not. And immediately counter attack. Yeah, just that, yeah, I just that, that was correct. No, it was uh, you know Verratti messed up. He yeah. stopped. Uh, Cancelo, like you said, he saw Gnabry. Gnabry just. He had an open. There was nobody in the back. Yeah, I understand that PSG was putting that pressure. They wanted to score so badly. They were trying so hard in that last couple of minutes as well because they needed those two goals. Yeah, you know, it's minute, it's minute 80, 82, 85, 87, 89. You know, it's getting there. They need those two goals. They thought they could pull off, you know, an, a remontada, and then out of nowhere, PSG used that to their advantage because PSG knew that they had a solid defense, they had a solid midfield, that yeah. you know, all they had to do was take advantage of that one little slip up. Yeah. And you know, they were right. Verratti made that Verratti made that slip up and they were able to, you know, take that against Donnarumma and you know finish uh, Nabri finished it off uh, very well. Um it was a great game though. Yeah. Uh, you know, 2-0. This is what happens the, when you when you play with when you when you when you when you're in Bayern Munich and you have such a a very good this is this is a very good corporation honestly you, the 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 management are ex players Hamidovic who's an ex Bayern Munich player and then Oliver Kahn who's an ex uh, Bayern Munich player and then you have Big Power who is part of the uh, advisory committee and then you have uh, uh, you have players who they actually pick and choose. What they like, like the chess, right? You add a player, you take out a player, and you see where that player would fit, right? So, when they went, for example, to uh, when they wanted another player, they were thinking, Should who should we get, right? They thought of Manny, Manny's quiet player, yeah. he doesn't co cause any issues. Uh, he's and uh, and most importantly, of course, he had experience in the Bundesliga as well. So he's, you know, it was that call that uh, that uh, Ninglesman had with him when he asked him what position he wanted to play. He said, you know, I, I want to play the position that you seem suitable with, right? And that's what they wanted. They wanted someone who wasn't who doesn't cause any issues, doesn't, you know, they they're not also down with a hundred million, ninety million dollar deals. They pick and choose who they want. If you look at the team, um, uh, I have to hold my thoughts on Delict till the end of the season. But Obamikano is one of the most improved defenders that I see right now. He's really coming up like, very, very strongly. Yeah. Alfonso Davis, you know, we don't have to say much about him. Uh, I don't think Musiala. he plays Musiala. Musiala. anymore. I, I was he's, very he's a forward anymore. Musiala is is their is their new. He's their own Mbappe. He's their yeah. Bayern's Mbappe. You know, unbelievable player. Yeah. Like Musiala's game was like on point. To I know this yeah. rating says eight point one, but you know when he was playing, taking that left wing. Well, you he looks so bro, he was dribbling bro. around these guys like it was yeah. like it was a game to him. Yeah. I was I was astounded by his by his game, and and he continues to surprise me uh, uh, almost every single game. Yeah, yeah. So you know, Delecht, same thing. I know you know people have been talking about him and calling him calling him out and whatnot. He he was spectacular. I mean, he he, he Pomicano as well. You know, some great defending right there. 
um, seeing Coleman, uh, you know, as well, some really fantastic football. Uh, so, you know, great game from Bayern Munich. Uh, tough luck. Coleman is PSG. another player that doesn't get enough credit as well. Oh, definitely. Coleman. No, no. Yeah. He, he, he what about Muller? Muller. Muller? Oh, yeah. Muller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Muller. <laughs> it's a stacked yes. team, man. It's a, like, it's a stacked team. You know, when you look at yeah. a team like Bayern Munich, you know, there's 11 players on the field who are, oh, if you're if you're not an experienced player, you're a fantastic rookie. Mm-hmm. And that's look at the list. Is. Look at the list that you have of players. Look, yeah, look, look at, at that. Uh, no, no. And it's that's the thing, you know, it's... Um, they could have like Leroy Sané. Sané is a fantastic yeah. player. I mean, but remember yeah. when he played when he was in Man City? I was like, I was like, you know, I'm gonna call Perez right now. Bring this guy to Real Madrid. Yeah. But you know, a fantastic player. And you know, PSG as well has a fantastic team. It's like we said earlier, you know, and we continuously say throughout the years is you know they play on an individual level. Um, they need that. They don't have a. I don't feel like they have a culture like Bayern Munich or Real Madrid or Barcelona. Not yet. Yeah, they yeah. They time. don't have that yet. That they're building that, and maybe if not in the next two three years, but maybe later on in, in you know in time, we'll see them build that up, and be able to bring uh, players like you said have build a build around a club culture and whatnot, and then be able to um, you know get the Champions League, FIFA Club World Cup, and whatever it may be. But there has been rumors that PSG are trying to change their whole mentality. No, they have to. to. They uh, have to. They have to. It's not that whether they want to. They they have to. It's a must. And I think what ruins it is the big money. But you know, that's just that's just the first step, though, because because they got all that money. Now they can move on to the next step. Um, I don't want to take too much time on this game. I have to move on to the next game. Um, Tottenham versus AC Milan. Typical Italian team score, which is always going to be the same: zero zero or one one. Or one zero or two one or some some something of that sort, um, but you know, a fantastic game. Um, on aggregate, AC Milan qualifies with one nil after they won at the San Siro. Um, you know, Theo Hernandez, fantastico. I don't know why Perez thought it was a good idea to get let him go, but I'm not gonna dwell on that. Um, I wonder why as well, but thank God he's a Milan. <laughs> hey man, I, I, honestly, I wish I, as soon as when they got rid of him, I was like, "What are they thinking?" And I think it was on loan at first. Uh, yes. What the hell? I was like, "Okay, take him out, maybe bring him back." And, this, and he sold him. And I, I'm not gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna stop there. But um, great game from both teams. Um, 54 possession for Tottenham. 46 possession percent possession for Milan. So we see a you know a similarity there. Um, number of total shots, um, 14 to nine. So we can see here that it was almost close to each other. Bigger chances on Milan's side. Um, ended at, ended at uh, a tie at the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, let's hear your thoughts, guys. Well, as a Milanista, you know, for very happy for them to be on to the next round. First time in 11 years making it to this round. Uh, second most winner of Champions League. Hopefully, the road to the eighth. Um, I don't, unfortunately, I don't see it being realistic, but you never know. Uh, the you know Milan's strength is always the left side. Uh, you don't need Tomori. Tomori can go help the guys on the other side. All you need is Hernandez and Leo on that side. <laughs> they can go and start start and finish a whole attack on that side. Um, they have been very dangerous in terms of counter. Uh, Hernandez and Leo. Uh, Diaz is still on loan. You guys can have him back in Madrid. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he, he did have a very good game as well. Um, 
there's honestly there isn't much to say about highlights of the game except two incidents, which is the second unnecessary yellow card by Royale, who when he uh, on a counter attack and you know the uh, uh, Roadrunner Hernandez was going by real quick and fast, and uh, Royale uh, slided and he hit his you know hit his foot. He fouled him. He got a second yellow card. You see Royale acting on the ground as being injured. He didn't want to see that second yellow to get a red, and the ref was waiting for him, of course. Um, the header from on um, uh, um, the 93rd minute from um, uh, Harry Kane, uh, Harry Kane and Monyain uh, uh, stopping in the 93rd minute uh, were the highlights of the whole game. But I'm very, I'm extremely happy that Monyain is back. Because uh, the the other the Romanian goalkeeper Totorechano, who was the goalkeeper uh, while Munain was uh, injured for most of the season, has been good, right? He's been doing good, but he has limitations. But Munain has been an amazing goalkeeper, and and he was Lille's goalkeeper and the goalkeeper that Milan decided to replace Donnarumma with. And I'm glad that Donnarumma left because of all the mistakes that he's been doing would have been done with Milan. And you see, Munain saved all those. Uh, very, um, um, very uh, dangerous chances by uh, uh, Tottenham, and the la- and the and the back three, especially Tomori and Thayao, Th- 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 which is uh, one of the few games that he actually starts. You've seen him stop it, uh, actually playing a top game. They turned off Kane completely. Kane was not able to do anything. Son was separated on the far side. You see uh, uh, Kolovoski doing some, you know, trying to go in and dribble, and but he's pretty limited. They're pretty limited on the uh, on the uh, um, on the attack. Sorry, I did say Royale. My bad. It was actually Romero. Romero. The record. Yeah, 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 I forgot about that. <laughs> I was thinking of Royale, but it was Romero. Uh, so I think that uh, Milan played a very good defensive game. Uh, um, Giroud has actually been top of the game lately, uh, but. Uh, is it's it was a very very good uh, tactical game. I was impressed by the chances that Milan were creating, but uh, it's unfortunately that they weren't able to finish those because I felt like once they get close to the goal, there's that kind of I don't know uh, they weren't they weren't being serious enough. That's what I, what I really felt like because there was easy chances that they're losing. They it would actually could have been translated to actual goal and, and, and chances. But generally, a very good Milan and solid team. Uh, Tottenham are in danger. Conti, I don't know if he's bored in Tottenham. Uh, and I don't know if he's going to stay. But I don't know when Tottenham would actually going to win something or going to go the as question, far. That's, that's, yeah, that's the question that's always on you know footballers' minds is that will we ever see Tottenham Hotspur really win anything? Will we see Harry Kane, you know, win a trophy or carry a trophy? And, you know, it's um, it, it's become a meme. It's become a typical meme that you see on the internet. And that the question here becomes, to, like, to me is, is Harry Kane comfortable at Tottenham? Or is Tottenham comfortable with Harry Kane? You know what I mean? It's, it becomes that type of question because he's a fantastic player and, and you know, he's a fantastic forward. He's a great, he's a great finisher. Um, he sometimes reminds me of Gareth Bale, really. And so it becomes like, you know, is that partnership, you know, still viable? Should he find his own way or should he stay at Tottenham? Uh, that's the question that's always been on my mind. I mean, even for a player like Son as well, you know, I like this. I like Son. He's one. Of, he's a great player, fantastic player. Um, you know, And Richardson and, ben, and Bench as well. That's another good striker. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, do you, do you, so is it, I mean, does it become a mentality and a culture at Tottenham, you know, that we bring these players, we reach top four, top five, and that's it. We just, you know, we, we don't go for number one. And so it, it might be like, you know, like the previous game we were talking about PSG, it might just need to be a, a change of thought, ideology, and culture. Ash, uh, Ashir, do you have any thoughts on that? I think you guys are right about this. I think it's not about the players or the manager. I think it's, again, the management, the, the ownership of the club. Um, the, he is comfortable with Tottenham's position right now. And every time he reaches some close to the top, he would put the brakes on of any investments, any signings, any stuff like that. And it's just how he likes his club. And um, I think it's it's sad because he does have a lot of good players. And now Conti is not a bad manager. It's just like you said, he might be bored. Like he's just, there's no competitiveness in the club, right? That's it. There's some issues that uh, Richardson, you probably heard about there. Richardson said some things were, which was, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty weird and bold of him saying all this about yeah. uh, the fact that he doesn't understand why he's, uh, you know, he's sitting in the bench while he feels that he's ready. Uh, Conti didn't comment as much. He said, "Oh, he didn't mean me." He was talking about all situation. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You have three very good strikers. I think Richardson still needs a lot of work. Yeah. But he has the potential of becoming a good striker. Son and Kane, they're excellent, world-class strikers. Yeah. Um, you have you have a decent and good team that actually you can go far with. But it's always questionable with Tottenham. I don't know. It's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think Tottenham... Uh, Tottenham reminds me of PSG in the Champions League. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's literally what it is. When are they going to win that yeah. big trophy? So, yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Um, but yeah, um, you know, it was um, it, at the end of the day, we know that uh, Milan moved on to the next round. Uh, congratulations to them. Tottenham is going to be going home and focusing on the Premier League where they are in fourth spot. Maybe they'll be, I mean, uh, they have 48 points. Um, 66 points for Arsenal, who who's, has Man City. But yeah, I thought Harry Kane is a conversation to be to be have on its own. Like, if, if you guys would rank, who would you rank first? Benzema, Harry Kane, and maybe a third order, for example, who, let's say, Lewandowski. Like, who would you guys rate? Or Giroud? What would you know, I, I would, I would go with... Your no, no, I would go with, like, Benzema first, because Benzema is... He's a... He did well in his time, in his little short period with the French squad. Mm. He did great. I think he was with them when they played in the Euros as well. Um, yeah. You know, he's a Madrid player who has five Champions Leagues, if I remember correctly. If not, I think it's five. You yeah. know, he has La Liga's. He has he has all those trophies. We see him five you know, going for six. Yeah, yeah, and and don't forget. Yeah, but this question we get to see this question online got, a lot now. Start one, bench one, and sell one. Yeah, and, and so like I think he he I would say between him and Lewandowski, I would put them in that first position because Lewandowski yeah. has the same thing with the German team, with the uh with with Bayern Munich yeah. and now with Barcelona. And you can see how great of a player he is with Barcelona. He had a fantastic game on the weekend. And yeah. so you know, you can put you could put those two ahead of each I would say that you could put them around the same place. 
I don't I want to say who's better Harry because Kane. I can't make up my mind on that one. If you but, see Harry Kane in Madrid, for example, if he goes in for... I think he would have been fantastic. He would probably be... I think he would have done way better. If you explode. put Harry Kane on a team like um, Manchester City, you know, when yeah. you have somebody like Kevin De Bruyne, you have Mehrez, you have these players giving you these these gay, these balls, yeah. you're, or these long passes, these great passes, I think he would have been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and so that's... But the thing is, is that that's unfortunate for Harry Kane because yeah. he's not on those teams. He doesn't yeah. have the the team that around that's around him doesn't have. Yeah, but you mentality. also said a very good point. Like, is he comfortable at at uh, at Tottenham? Like Benzema, for example. I know that if he's in Tottenham and he sees this or something, he would he would probably show his frustration. He would probably yeah. like push for a move. And you see Benzema a lot of times when Madrid is is behind on the score or something, he would be the one like driving the whole team forward, right? I don't know if Harry Kane has that. He might have it in him, but not as much as Benzema, which which is explains why Benzema is in Madrid. You know, they're talking about uh, Kane's uh, contract extension with Tottenham. So there's already talks about that. So if he's well, going to extend his contract with Tottenham, he's 29 years old. He's got. He still has a, a bit of time on him. He has at least. Oh. He has good six years. So you know, this is this is like for example, Barcelona brought in. Um, if Real Madrid went ahead and got Kane, I would not be mad at all. Yeah, I would feel the same way because he he is such a great player. He is that great player that you know if he was to play on Madrid, I think he would be he would he he would be in his um comfortable he would be in a comfortable position. Yeah, very similar yeah. profile than like Benzema. Yeah, so no, definitely you know I would say you know um, Kane is a great player. I always liked him as a player individually. It's just the unfortunate reality that he plays for Tottenham, and yeah. um, I don't want to trash Tottenham, but like <laughs> realistically speaking, there's there's no there's no accolades to look at. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on to our next game that we're looking at. Then um, it, it's going to be Crystal Palace uh, versus uh, Manchester City. Um, it finished uh, it finished one nil at the uh, at Crystal Palace. Um, Arsenal getting uh, close to our uh, sorry Manchester City getting close to Arsenal with five uh, with five points behind. Um, we can see that Haaland finally is back on the scoring sheet. Uh, we haven't seen that name on the scoreboard in a couple of games. I would say now. Um, any thoughts, uh, gentlemen? Um, it was. <laughs> You know, when you play Crystal Palace, you know it's going to be a tough game. You can't score on yeah. them pretty easily. But yeah. when you score on them, it's a done deal. And yeah. that's what you saw in the players. They really gave up after that goal, especially the fact that it was on the um, – It was 70, on the 70, 70, 70th. 70, yeah. yeah. Uh, Crystal Palace were pressuring. Um, yeah. That's – you know, the – it's a whole dynamic team, uh, uh, Crystal Palace. They defend and they're very good in counterattacks. They did have good chances, but not good finishes. I do remember one or two chances that uh, that it could have been easily scored for Crystal Palace. But mm -hmm. if they scored those two chances, they could have actually won that game. And Crystal Palace is that team that will always give you a hard time. Um, no, uh, yeah, the, the you know as a, they have a very good coach Patrick Vieira. Um, you know they are of course a limited team, so they yeah. are a team that want to uh, maintain their position as one of the top ten, but um, they have good individual players. You know we know that uh, the the IU and IU brothers generally they have their 
they're well experienced players. Um, don't, don't forget Zaha as well. You know, great he's the player. best player in that. He's the best player in that team. He's a player that I always wonder when is Zaha going to move to a, a bigger team? You yeah. know, he's 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 very active. He, you know, all Manchester City players are on their toes because Zaha goes left and right and up and down and goes in the middle. He's not scared. He gets fouled all all the time. And they yeah. have a lot of they have a young squad. Um, they have a young squad that uh, one of the players uh, is Izzy, Izzy, he's a very good player uh, for for uh, Crystal Palace. Um, they have a pretty good squad, but you know there's limitations. You can't go beyond those limitations. Um, and by the fact that Manchester City had to wait for that one penalty to win makes it questionable. That penalty also was a is a was honestly a gift. But yeah. It was, you know. Well, that's what I was thinking is that, you know, it was um, the penalty was really here, the savior for Manchester City. Because if you think about it, um, once 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 a team scores on Crystal Palace, you could see it maybe draining them a little bit. And so if that goal did not, if, if City did not actually score, the, can we think that, is it possible to think that Crystal Palace might have been able to, you know, actually take the lead in the, uh, and, um, you know, win the game or, or something, you know, or, or something of that sort, you know, maybe a tie or whatever maybe but you know it's it's that it's that goal that really kills it even though you know there was still 12 minutes left in the game and it, when it comes down and that's the difference between um a great team and a good team a good team uh, a great team even though they might be down one nothing or two nothing at you know at the minute 78 they continue they keep pushing until they you know they land that first or second goal to at least tie whereas um uh, a good team not so much. Definitely, definitely. Asher, yeah, I, think, uh, I think one one of the players that we should definitely just comment on is Bernardo Silva. At the beginning of the season, there were talks about they want to sell him, and they he want the Guardiola wants to move um, send some players out and like reshuffle the team and stuff like that. And even though that didn't happen, the guy is putting in a huge effort every game. Very creative. Very very nice. Gives me. Messi vibes, you know, how he goes through defenders, how he goes through people. Very creative. Phil Foden is also a, a massive talent. He's not at his best at the moment, but he is coming back. Grilic is is good. It's just I never seen him fit in Guardiola's team with his style of play, like like Zaha, for example. They're they're one of those creative guys that like to have the ball more and Guardiola likes his team to keep passing the ball. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and, but, you know, not, the thing is, is that with City, they have so many options. They can do whatever they want and get rid of whoever they want and bring on whoever they want. How many uh, games left in the season so far? Um, so, I think it's going to get tight between City and, and Arsenal. Yeah, it's about 13 games, I believe. No, no, less less than that. I think 13? maybe 11 games. Okay. Yeah, 11 games. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, there's still time for some of these teams to form up. Um, but let's move on. I know yeah. we wanted to talk about the United uh, game and South versus Southampton and Arsenal and Fulham, but we'll have to skip those um, because due to time constraints. But uh, that ended up as a tie for the United. Um, tough match for them. Um, Arsenal 3-0 against Fulham. Great game for them. Uh, fantastic goals. Uh, Odegaard taking that captain role amazingly. Um, uh, who was it? There was a who. Who was it that gave those? Uh, th there was three, three. Um, 
uh, who gave the three? Uh, yeah, Trossard. Trossard, fantastic game by Trossard um, yeah. on that left wing, throwing, making those passes. I think he had three assists on that. Right? Is that right? Yes. Um, yeah, trick assists. <laughs> yeah, hat trick of assists. Beautiful balls into the into the box. Um, Odegaard's finish was fantastic. As you see, Trossard. Uh, yeah. So. He's one of the new signings. This Trossard guy is. He came in in the winter and immediately like hit the ground running. You know, Man, yes. very, like, very effective. Look, we see him here. He's playing that number nine position. Yeah. When he was moving up on the left side, I was confused. I was a bit confused of his movements. Um, his Partey's pass to him on uh, on that first goal was a bit weird. But uh, uh, he's a center forward, but he was playing that left position on Partey's left yeah. um, in that first goal. But anyways. Uh, let's move on. Real Madrid versus Espanyol. Before we move on, I want you guys to make a prediction. Who do you think is going to win the Premier League? Is it Arsenal or Man City? Arsenal. Done deal. I think it's Arsenal. Arsenal are no. not going to give it. You yeah, guys yeah, I think just it's said Arsenal. that it's, there's 11 games left. Manchester no, no, City I think it's Arsenal, but it's going to come down to like one or two points. I think and it's Arsenal is... too, because because the, the, the winter signings that Jorginho, people are underestimating that Jorginho signing is he's really, really good. He could fill in for party. Not easily, but he could do like 85-90% of the job. Trossard is really good. And I think Manchester City has some weird stuff going on. Off no, no, we team. are. We are, church, we are. Uh, we are Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are predicting Arsenal. I was, yeah. I was saying this as it's done deal for Arsenal. They yeah, are going to win it. Yeah. It's everything, you know, this 3-0 win was a pre, pre-party. For the, yeah. for the uh, yeah. you know, Fulham, Fulham is a, by the way, Fulham this season are a very good team. They're yeah. in the eighth position, yeah. and it's a London derby. Arsenal finished the game in the first half. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. it was a it was a very excellent uh, game, and you know the comeback that they had last week. Um, oh yeah, that was beautiful. I think they're the best team in Europe right now. Just momentum, players. Oh, Europe, I think it's Napoli. You gotta hold on on that. <laughs> Napoli is probably the top team in. The, and don't yeah, forget, Napoli's doing really good. Manchester City doesn't have uh, Champions League, whereas um, Arsenal has Europa. So there might be that, and they have they, they, they all all of them have a tough uh, schedule ahead of them, as we talked about last year, last yeah. uh, sorry, last week. I don't um, think Arsenal is going to concentrate any on the Europa League because they need even if they league. don't, they, they they I think they're still gonna. I think they might they have a chance at both of them. Yeah. I think yeah, you have a chance. They that they're not. They even, and, um, he, um, he rotated the team in the last game in uh, Europa League, and he still got a good result, right? Yeah, he got a. Yeah, no, it was yes. fantastic. Um, so, this, um, uh, because of con- time constraints, we're going to move on to the next match, um, which was, I believe, we said uh, Real Madrid versus Espanyol. Um, a slow start for Real Madrid in the first half, um, being down one 0 in the early minutes. Um, well, that's typical, typical Madrid game. Typical Real Madrid. Yeah, Real Madrid. Sit up straight. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, you know, Vinicius Jr., uh, great game from him. Um, yeah. Great game from the squad as a whole, realistically speaking. Um, you know, it was a it was a great game to watch. Uh, I, I only got to watch the first half and a bit of the second half. Um, but, no, it was um, uh, Militao. I think he's winning me over. Yeah. Um, you know, I was very, um, very on the edge about him when he first came, and you know, as the year, as the last, as last year went by, I was, you know, still not feeling it out. But you know, as this year's been going, I think he's been that player that's that's, you know, he's been a hard, he's been holding Real Madrid as um, he has that he has that chance to take that Ramos position, 
And that's what I think about Militao is that he mm-hmm. has that chance. Um, another player, you know, Asensio, seeing him come on um, again. Uh, last year, we've seen him, you know, getting put on the bench. Nobody's really taking, at, at looking at looking at him. He's He was frustrated himself. He didn't even know if he wanted to stay at Real Madrid. Um, but seeing him back on, you know, and scoring. And that's the beautiful part about it is that he's scoring. Um, fantastic game from him, uh, I guess, in the when he played, when he was on. See what Nacho did before he assists Asensio, bro? He, he, he pulls a Messi. He goes like... Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, Nacho, yeah. That was, uh... <laughs> that's the thing is Nacho, Nacho has been... Um, because I know he was frustrated um, a couple of weeks ago about his signing. He yeah. wanted them to, you know, uh, he wanted his contract to be for two years. Real Madrid's telling him for one. Um, yeah. I think he's trying to convince them that, hey, I should be here. I, you should re-sign me. Yeah. Jurgen, Jurgen Klopp said that, oh, when I, well, as soon as Nacho came on the field, he changed everything. And, and since yeah. that day, since Jurgen Klopp said that, I've been watching Nacho and he's not, like, he's not bad. He, no, no, he he's does not, strange he stuff, is. you know. The, the no, Nacho, Nacho is the Nacho is the is Real Madrid's uh, joker number one well, joker. Him and, him and Vasquez. Him Vasquez, and Vasquez number two, Nacho number one because <laughs> yeah. Nacho. Yeah. Because... Nacho, the thing is about Nacho is when he first started at Madrid about five five years back, four years ago, I was very frustrated with seeing him on the field. Yeah, Man, I was too. I was frustrated. I saw Nacho on the field and I know something bad was gonna happen. Yeah. But the last two three years, he's been great, and yeah. you know, just seeing him, I. The, the thing about seeing Nacho is knowing that there's a problem and he's the solution. Yes. Yeah. That's what it is. And and the same thing with Vasquez, because Vasquez, you know, we see him that taking the Carfajal position, um, that Valverde position sometimes, and then putting Valverde in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and it, seeing them makes me frustrated, not because of who they are as players, but because knowing that they're the solution to the problem that Ancelotti is facing. And that's you don't it. get this vibe from Camavinga, for example, even though he's yeah. filling in in that position. That's not actually his position, but you don't and, get and that feeling of yeah. he's solving something. I feel like it's he's still a liability on that side. Oh, yeah. Better in the in the center, right? And he has Camavinga, been a liability Camavinga, in that position. Yeah. yeah. He has Camavinga been wasn't there. If Camavinga was playing in his correct position, and he had, uh, I don't know if he Rudiger, Rudiger can play could play this game, but if somebody else was in that left back position, like Vernan, uh, Nacho taking that left back position and then pushing uh, and throwing Nacho, um, Luis Vasquez, and then bringing back to Germany or something like that, finding a different solution because that yeah. first goal was because of Kamavinga's position. Exactly. Yeah. So the way he played it, it was different. Uh, Kamavinga is not somebody that you want to play there because I know, you can tell right away he wasn't yeah. comfortable in that position. He didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was able to collect himself after, and Cruz um, yeah. was able to collect the team as a whole, especially with him and Vinicius, because Vinicius is facing a lot of t- tough criticism um, and a lot of problems with the t- with the um, with the fans, uh, especially the fans, and from outside pressure and a pressure on himself. I think that he needs to relieve himself of. Yeah. Uh, that uh, you know, fantastic game. Um, let's move on to the next game. I know because we have that. I I, I know I said it. Uh, but before. what do you guys think of Rodrigo though? Like, do you think he he can fill in that long term instead of Benzema? I, think I don't so. think he's gonna. Well, I, from according to Rodrigo, he said it himself. He said that he's he actually can. He said he's yeah. comfortable in that position. He says that he just needs time to yeah. get used to it. And I think he's right because he's so good. He's so yeah. fluid. He knows the position. The, and his teammates are starting to trust him now. If you see the oh, passing yeah. between him and Vinicius Valverde Modric, like he knows what's going on now. He's been with Benzema. He's one of those guys that can watch and learn easy, you know? 
you want to see you want to see you want to see if how do you know that Rodrigo is good in this position? You watched his you watched his game against Manchester City yeah. last Champions League. You watched his game against yep. PSG last last Champions League, and um, he's been the key. He was the and, key. and yeah. Liverpool last year. He's been the key, man. If you watch every single one of those games, he would come on as a substitute and he would score one or two goals and save Real Madrid from a, a two two nothing or two one. Yeah. Uh, How down. old is he? He's he's uh, he's young. Uh, let me check. Is he like uh, 21 or like 25? 22. 22? 22? Yeah, he's a very well, young Him and Vinicius are around the same age. Yeah. Um, I think I think the Brazilian trio, you know, the Brazilian trio, they're part of the Brazilian national team. Yeah. I think Madrid are in good hands. Um, oh, yeah. My 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 starter, my forward starter from Madrid, as I mentioned before to Ahmed, my preference is Vinicius on the left. Rodrigo on the right and Benzema in the middle. And mm. then that will be a crazy attack. Um, and then I guess for the the bench limitation that Madrid has, they, they have to, they're going to be playing around with Valverde, put him in midfield, put him in forward, uh, uh, right winger. And then, you know, Kamavinga, I'm waiting for him to go back to his position because, yeah, he has been a liability. I think I think you should, you guys should get rid of uh, Kamavinga and Cruz and get in Bellingham because Cruz... I'm going to be completely honest. This is a very unpopular opinion, but I don't see Cruz doing it anymore. I, I, well, the thing is... I he's think lost interest. What, he's lost interest. Yeah. Weird. That's why... He's, yeah, yeah, he's lost... The one thing about Cruz, though, is he knows that it's almost time zone. Yeah. I think he knows... I think this is it for him. Like, get him uh, in a suit and stand in, and have him sit next to... Um, <laughs> no, I'm serious. He's going to be and very good. And then next to Ancelotti, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, he can do that. He's definitely, he can probably do yeah. that for sure. And I, but I think if he were to go anywhere as a coach or as management, it would probably be Bayern Munich. Um, yeah. And, but uh, for Cruz, like if it was up to me, I, I would have uh, Kamavinga in the middle in too too many spot where too too many takes over that left spot. And then Valverde pulled back uh, in Modric spot. Uh, and then, you know, have uh, have uh, Rodrigo come in uh, Valverde's spot, Benzema in the middle, and Vinicius up there. That might I be would... a good thing because to Chamini today, he did that cross very good from the left yeah. side. I think, it, I think it would be good in that, in that position, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so let's move on uh, to our final game, Atletico Bilbao versus Barcelona. Uh, what a fantastic game. Oh, um, I think this had to be like one of the top games of this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. Unbelievable game uh, from both clubs. Uh, Atletico, Atletico, you know, pressuring, pressuring, pressuring. Um, Barcelona, you know, unbelievable game. Um, Rafina scored in the at the end of the first half, I believe. Yep. Yeah, uh, it was a great goal from him. Um, but yeah, no, a fantastic game. Um, Ter Stegen uh, put in a lot of work. Ooh, so and, good. Uh, uh, you know what I mean. Even um, uh, Busquets, man, Busquets was the key to this game. Like oh, yeah, this yeah. guy is just a glue to the team. Like it, it replaced him. You know, it's very his profile is very, very much wanted, but at the same time, very limited. Like you can't find any player who does that anymore. Very limited players can do that, even though it's the most important. Like I want to say, it's the most important, but one of the best, most important positions to play. And 
your vision, your... Um, it has to be top-notch, especially as a person who's playing as the midfielder, uh, yeah. as a CM or a CDM, because you have to make those long passes. You have to keep yeah. the fluidity of the team. You have to keep them. You have to be able to transfer the ball from the, from the defense to the offense. Yeah, and vice um, versa. You have to be stopping all the attack going this exactly. way. Exactly. So there's, there's a lot to go into this position. And somebody, as, you know, as a Madrid fan, um, I have a lot of respect for Busquets in his technique, in his, I don't have, not for his personality, but as a, as a player, <laughs> as a player, I think he's great. You know what I mean? When I see him on the field, on at the, um, when I see him on, on the field, when it comes time for the El Clasico, I get annoyed. Yeah. Because like, he's a great player. Yeah. He's a great player. I do not want to see him on there. I just hope somebody injures him. Yeah. But, and that's because of, I just shows you how good of a player he is. Yeah. He, he, he has great vision. He has great passing. He knows what he's doing. He's always he's always calm when he when he has the ball with him, and, yeah. and so you know what I mean. He's always taking that leader role as well. Um, so uh, you know it's probably one of the, one of the reasons that for the last two years that Barcelona has to keep, has kept their head above water mm -hmm. and is because of Busquets. Stegen, I, I think the most important thing in for Barcelona in this time right now is just finish off the season, win the win the league. You know, it's win La Liga. It's it's going to be devastating for players and Javi and management if anything were to slip off. Madrid yeah. picks it up. I don't know what Madrid does. They they can switch this thing over in a second, but it's, it only it works. It only works in Champions League for right. Them. Yeah, yeah, they have something in the Champions League only. I hope so. But in the La Liga, this, uh, this season good. Otherwise, it would be a collapse. I'm telling you. I honestly think they got the La Liga. I mean, even if they lose next game, yeah. look, they got two tough games coming up: Real Madrid mm -hmm. and Atletico Madrid. They yeah. lose these two games. Oh, this is this is well, an issue. They're, they're, yeah. Even if they do lose those three games, they, there's uh, two games. There's still one game to be had, right? Mm -hmm. Because the difference here, I think, is nine points. Can you check that on the table, please, if you don't mind? Yeah. The the, the I think that's the difference is only nine points, if I'm not mistaken. That's four. Is it four? One sec. Four plus five is nine. Yeah, so at nine points. Um, um, and how, then many, it, how many games left? Uh, oh, there's not many games. I think it's the Oh, there's still uh, 13 games left. Oof. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's still 13 <laughs> games left. But, you know, the thing is, a lot of games. it's a yeah. lot of games where Barcelona don't have anything to get busy with. Yeah. If, uh, if they lose Barcelona. that cup, if they lose the Copa del Rey to Madrid next mm -hmm. game, their only focus is going to be league, but yeah. they have a they have a chance to. Well, they have, have, they have historic, Madrid, uh, They're playing Real Madrid on the 19th, which is this weekend, mm -hmm. and that's league. That's not Copa del Rey. That's league. So no, I'm saying gonna, I'm saying for the if, if their main the, the two only. Two oh yeah, the main that focus is that they, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they, don't forget, like they have an upper hand against Real Madrid in the in the Copa del Rey as well. They they have that one goal which gives them you know a little bit of they have somewhat. Uh, some kind of gap to play with because Madrid is still it's very hard to say that no one has upper hand against Madrid, especially when you're up. Like they get they get this electricity inside them. Oh no, this team is is winning on us now. They they go crazy. I think no, uh, that, I you mean, know Madrid. You know you know when you play a 
You know when you do a drag race and the and the experienced uh, car driver knows that he's so good and he is gonna win that other race, that yeah. other uh, driver right next to him really, like, you know, he's gonna beat him and he backs up a bit and let that guy go ahead. That's what Madrid was, loves. They yeah. love to start from now, the back. They want to start with you, one zero. That's what always what it is. Yeah, go ahead. Now, but I'll tell you one thing for sure. Can you go on Barcelona's uh, schedule because this is very important for Barcelona and for Barcelona to understand is that they they are at the top of the table with with nine points ahead and that's all fair in game and you know they have the, the what's it called but they will be playing against real betis so if you go up a little bit yeah go up a little bit they're going to be playing against real betis and real sociedad and those two, both those teams are fighting for that fourth spot position they are also going to be playing against rio Vallecano, and they're playing for that fourth uh, sorry for that fifth and sixth spot and if they can land that fourth spot that'd be great for them so yeah. these are these are games that they have to watch out for because these yeah. are uh, Osasuna as well. They're playing Osasuna if, if you say on the May third, another team because that fourth spot position lands any of those teams in the Champions League or they are in that fifth spot position and sixth spot position in, in Europa and that's very important. Yeah. They got Atletico, they got uh, Real Betis that gave Real yeah. Madrid a hard time. They got the Barcelona Derby. Um, so yeah, they have, I mean, oh yeah, and they have a derby with Espanol, that's correct. So they have a bunch of games that are coming up that are going to be very tough for them. And um, they have to be a little bit on their toes a little bit because if they don't, if they slip up in one of those games, they might lose the, um, the position in the Copa del Rey. And if even if they slip up in one of those games as well, they get they lose their spot in first place the champion in the, in the La Liga. But me, as like, as a, as an outsider looking, I still think they're gonna win. I still yeah, think yeah. they're gonna get a, they're gonna get that. Um, that I hope so. This year. Check this out. Yeah. Check this out. So Celta Vigo is the last game. So one, two, three, four, right? Five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, 10, 11, 10, 11, 11, and then twelve and thirteen. Oh. Not the Copa del Rey, but twelve and thirteen. Yeah. Twelve and thirteen. And then yeah, with the Copa del Rey. If they if they're counting on winning that, they'll have 15 games in total to guarantee two titles. Yeah. Can they do it? I think it's doable. I know but it's doable. They are gonna, but you are gonna run out of gas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they are gonna run out. But like looking at looking at a team like Barcelona, you know, you, if, if we if you open up their squad right now, if you open up their um their uh, their team list, it's you know you have like Pedri gonna Pedri is gonna come back. You have Dembele as well. He's going to come back. When is Dembele coming back? Um, I think it said end of March or something like that. Mm. Well, Pedre will be is oh, late March to return late March. Pedre Pedre is very important for the yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pedre, Gavi got you know Pedre and Gavi got to play together. If one of them is yeah. not there. They turn mm -hmm. off. But then, it reminds look, me like, of Iniesta and Xavi together. That's what it reminds Frank, me of. Frank Kese, last beautiful game against against Madrid last time uh, when he yes. played. Uh, you have Sergio Busquets, De Jong, um, Lewandowski, mm -hmm. um, Rafinha, Anzo Fati is on the bench. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, that, that's another. So Barcelona has that comfort of you know being able to sub these players on and bring them, take them off when they're back, and who play whoever is needed to be, uh, whoever is needed, and you know what I mean, being able to. Conde, what a fantastic defender this year. Um, so, you know, they have that ability. And then the one thing that people need to need to remember about Barcelona is they have Ter Stegen. Ter Stegen, yeah. You yeah, have Ter Stegen yeah. as a keeper. He improved a lot. Like, yeah. he, he, he was doing, he was going downhill and then yep. all yeah. of a sudden he's you know, going you up. Ter Stegen, you know, he is their actual um, 
savior in a way. Um, yes, you know, he's making some fantastic saves every save. Like again, even in the Atletico game, in the Atletico Bilbao game, it, I would have like that first half. I was sure that Atletico Bilbao was going to score, but mm -hmm. you know, Ter Stegen. Um, that's why you know that's why he got that yeah, such a great rating. I think he got man of the match as well. Yeah. Um, so he got that. And that, that's the reason why you know Ter, he he's that he was given that is because of his um his his you know ability to keep Barcelona in, in the position they're in. Um, any last thoughts, guys? Before we call it, no, I think I'm good. I want to thank you guys for this amazing uh, opportunity. It's amazing to talk about football with guys. Oh, it was great to have you, Ashir. Ashir and, oh, really? uh, you know, you had um, some great points there. Um, some great, mm. in, uh, uh, what do you call it? Some great comments. Some great. Um, mm. uh, uh, a lot, so a lot us to think a little bit more uh, as well. Um, uh, uh, El Basha, anything else to add? Thank you very much, Asher, for joining us. Thank you, everyone, mm -hmm. for tuning in and listening to us. As always, it's a reminder, so follow us on our socials. And that's that for me. Adios. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, make sure to like and leave a comment. Uh, and uh, we hope you guys have a great night. <laughs>